Are you doing well? It is such a privilege to be here, um, to be at Great Neck. Great Neck. I mean, this is the jewel of, of Wave Church right here. And um, this is so, so cool for me and also very stressful um, because I'm going to be bringing the word in front of uh, not just our pastors, um, but my pastors, um, Stephen Sharon. And so um, they are people in whom my wife and I are forever indebted to. And um, they are people in whom we would trust our lives fully for the rest of our lives. Can we honor and thank our senior pastors? They're amazing. All right, listen, we don't got a lot of time. So can we get into the word? Do you have your Bibles? You serious? I don't know how it is. Like in Richmond, people don't bring like real Bibles. They just use their phone. That's not true about the 757, is it? If you have a real Bible, grab it, lift it up in the air. Okay, all right. Ma'am, I like your Bible. That is a pink, beautiful Bible. Um, We're going to read out of 1 Kings chapter 19. So turn with me to the book of 1 Kings. I'll let you guys go in a second. I promise. Um, we're going we're gonna to read a little bit of scripture, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to hop right into it. But to set the stage, we're in the Old Testament, and we're going to talk about a couple of prophets, okay? There's this prophet, Elijah. Um, he's the man. He's um, where we're going to pick up. He just comes off this amazing God encounter with these called the prophets of Baal. They are, they're not of, of the one and true God. And um, you, you can read, if you want, a little bit before this, the illest trash talking in all the scriptures happens from the prophet Elijah. You don't want to miss it. Um, but then he flees to the wilderness under the threat of Jezebel, who, who's threatening to kill him. He goes into this depressive state. He finds himself in the wilderness, and he's saying to God, he's like requesting that he just might die. He's ready to call it quits. I think back even about my time here, and God has done amazing things in my life in this space. This is holy ground. I remember being in that section. That section up there in the back, make some noise. Yeah, praise the Lord. Ma'am right there with the dress and the spirit fingers right there. Yep, you know what I'm talking about right there. The salmon dress. Make some noise. Salmon dress. Give it up for salmon dress. <laughs> God did something in my life right where you're standing. I was there on a Sunday night, and Pastor Steve was like, if you feel and sense the call of God on your life, come on up to the front. And I was standing right there, and I did not come to the front. (laughs) I stood right there, and I was like, nope. But the whole church came up to the front. And it was amazing, though, because it was in that moment where God actually revealed to me, you should have been up there. How many people are thankful that God can do something even when you say no? (laughs) Come on. So Elijah's there, and he's saying, God, I'm done. Um, And and he comes out, and the Lord reveals himself to him, not through the, the earth, the wind, or the fire, but through a gentle whisper. He says, what are you doing here? Elijah's talking with God. And God gives Elisha something to do. This might not be a popular message in today's day, But sometimes if you're in a depressive state, the Lord might just ask you to go do something, to bless someone. And then he tells them what to do. He says, I want you to anoint a couple people, one of which is Elisha. So we're going to pick up in the anointing of Elisha, 1 Kings 19, verse 19. So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. And there were 12 teams of oxen in the field. And Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. 
And Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, first let me go kiss my, my father and my mother goodbye and then I will go with you. And Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I, what I have done to you. And so Elisha returned to his oxen, he slaughtered them and he used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, they all ate and then he went with Elijah as his assistant. Uh, I've titled this sermon this morning, Not the Same as It Was. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for this gathering of your saints. Lord, I pray that today you would do something in the hearts of your people, that it wouldn't just be a day where we labor in vain thinking about Labor Day, but Lord, we know that you are building something in us collectively, and you're building something through us. Lord, let this be a morning, God, where you transform, you touch hearts. I pray that today would be a catalyst for things to shift in people's lives and in their relationships. God, that you would not let us walk out of here the same way we walked in, but you transform us. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in our short time together. It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Go ahead and give somebody a kiss before you grab your seat. Thank you, worship team. Appreciate that. Only if you know them. Only if you know them, praise the Lord. How many people uh, are excited about the shift of seasons? Who's depressed about the shift of seasons? Yeah. I want you to pretend today. We're going to pretend in church. Who's excited about the shift of the seasons? Praise God. Come on, you just sense it in the air, don't you? Like things are shifting, kids are going back to school, my kids are starting public school, our two oldest are going from homeschool. Any homeschoolers? <laughs> yep, there's a, that's how they are, that's how they are. So we decide we're gonna put them in public school and we got faith for it, we have confidence in it, we have assurance in it. There's just change in the air. PSLs are back on the menu. Uh-huh, pumpkin beer is, is on the shelves, whatever, I don't know what floats your boat. Um, there's just stuff happening. The Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Walk by faith, not by sight, praise the Lord. Um, it's a season where there's so much to enjoy, so much to think about. And, and, and for us, I think the posture of believers is I think we ought to carry a sense of like, man, there is change, not just in my surroundings, but we can have this faith and expectancy that God wants to do something fresh in us, that God might want to do something fresh through us, amen? Uh, how many people would just say, Lord, I sense that you're doing something fresh in my life. We just sang about it this morning. We need a fresh wind. Come on, how many people aren't just saying that, singing it, but they're actually declaring it prophetically, you need a fresh wind in your life. I believe it's a time where God is up to something, amen. It's, got, it's not gonna be the same as it was if we've got a, a posture of, of expectancy that the Lord might do something fresh in our midst, amen. I mean, we are back-to-back -back Sundays of an Asian preacher up in Wave Church. Come on, somebody. It's not the same. <laughs> I, I, I'm really... <laughs> 
Oh, man, I want to bet to make that joke today. Praise the Lord. I have a sense that God is doing something fresh even in us as as a church. I mean, there's so many good testimonials of what God is doing in our midst. I mean, there's this guy that I'm working with in Richmond in our church, and and he's he's been on some stuff, amen, and so it's left him kind of like um, like just like indifferent and and unemotional, and and we've been praying. He's he's sought the Lord. He's accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. He's been baptized, and it's, it's something weird. He's come back to me. He says, Pastor, it's this weird thing when I pray now, um, I find myself crying. What's wrong with me? And, and, I, and he's like, I'm feeling stuff when, when I pray. And, and, and is it weird? Should I talk to a professional? And I says, no, no, that's just good. It's just, it's God reminding you that, 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 that what was dead is being made alive again. A heart that was made of stone is being turned into a heart of flesh. I'm reminded there's this woman we were praying for um, a couple weeks ago, and she, she cut her finger with some hedge trimmers, and, and she was there on a Sunday, and she was going to have to go in for surgery on a Monday, and she was praying. She's saying, Lord, I pray that, that you would heal my finger. I have to go in for surgery. I don't have any feeling in it. She woke up on the Monday morning of her surgery, and she says, I feel pain, Pastor. And the good report on the Sunday was, I feel pain. Again, how many people know that for most of the circumstances, you putting in a praise report that I feel pain in your life isn't good. But when you come from a season where things have been dead in your life, to say that I feel pain is a reminder that God is making old things new. I'm praying a fall of pain over your life this season. Amen. I'm believing for new things for you. Because I believe that's the heart of God, that the latter would be better than the former, amen? Isaiah, to God to the prophet Isaiah in 43 verse 19 says, I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun it. Do you not see it? Which tells me that God could be doing something before we even notice that he's up to it. Do you not see it? I'll make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. This is prophesying about who Jesus is and who he is to be for us, and who he's going to make a way for Christ Jesus to come. But yet today, why are we talking about Elisha? If you read in in 1 and 2 Kings, it talks about these two prophets, Elijah and Elisha. Now, here's a little bit of, of, of a little bit of knowledge for you biblically. These are two prophets, and, and God has a habit of, of using this thing called types and shadows. And so these two prophets, Elijah and Elisha, they actually mirror a previous set of prophets, Moses and Joshua. And also they point to, uh, uh, foreshadow a later pair. That would be John the Baptist and Christ Jesus. And so as the Lord speaks, through, speaks to Isaiah that making a way in the wilderness, do you know that it was John that was called the voice crying out in the wilderness? And so, and so we, f- we find here Elijah and Elisha not only point to John the Baptist and Christ Jesus, but Elijah and Elisha actually foreshadow Christ and his relationship with us as the church. And what we find, where we pick up in the story in the account of Elisha is a season of change, a time where it's not going to be the same as it was for him. It's a time where he's transitioning from being a farmer into a prophet. And so we're taken right on the scene of this change. Who's, who's experiencing walking through some change in their life right now? All right, well, as I believe we see some things out of the life of Elisha, I believe that we as the church in the New Testament can actually glean some things from the life of Elisha. So can we go? All right, I got some quick thoughts. There's no way I'm gonna get through all of them, so we're just gonna see how far we can get, amen? All right, here's the first thing. Some wisdom in a new season. My first point is this. Keep doing what's in front of you. 
We're getting to the wisdom part, amen? Keep doing what's in front of you. This almost seems like a contradiction. A new season, but keep doing what I've been doing. Um, But Elijah went and found Elisha. Elisha did not go and find Elijah. I'm thankful that we love God and we chose him, but before we chose him, he loved and chose us first. And what was Elisha doing? He was plowing. He found him not in the school of prophets, but in the field. He found him not just reading or praying or sacrificing. Those are good things, but he found them in the midst of what he was supposed to do. Turn your name and say, what you supposed to be doing? He found him plowing. I'm encouraged to know that for all of us in the New Testament called the ministers of reconciliation, our vocation in the world does not put us outside of the will of the heavenly call of God for our lives. And so for us, the the first step in seeing our new season played out is showing yourself faithful with what God has entrusted you in this season, in the last season. I'm so encouraged. One of the, one of the things that really um, stood out to me, the, line that I, the biggest line that impacted me out of Wave Conference, who's thankful that we get to have a Wave Conference in our church? Come on, it's amazing. But Pastor Manny Rango one, side, uh, one night, he said something that changed my entire understanding of this word faithful, and if you missed it, I'm gonna recap for you. He says, we don't understand the meaning of this word faithful. Because it sounds so much like these other words, joyful, full of joy, hopeful, full of hope. But faithful does not mean full of faith. Faithful means loyal. Loyal to what you've been entrusted with and held responsible for. I think back about a long time ago, I had a buddy who was an intern. He wanted to be a pastor. He wanted to be on staff. He had a dream about being in full-time ministry. Did you know people have dreams like that? Some people actually dream to be in the ministry. It's crazy. And so he had this dream to be in the ministry, but he was an intern, and and in the midst of being, you know, uh, not a a full-time minister, but being an intern, no money, praise the Lord, uh, in the midst of that dream and holding on to it, he had his own landscaping business in the meantime. And so he he kept holding on to that dream, but he says, hey, nothing's happening, and it came to a a crossroads in his business where he had to figure out, okay, listen, my, the, the scale of my business is gonna require me to pick up some extra things. I need to buy some things to keep up. He had to pick up a new F-150. He had to pick up a new zero turn. Shout out, see, I knew I'd get somebody right there. And he ended up spending thousands and thousands of dollars investing into his business to keep up with the workload despite holding on to that dream. Now, wouldn't you know, about two months later, an opportunity for this man to get into the ministry came up, and, and, it, and it started to happen for him. The problem was he just spent thousands and thousands of dollars on his business, and so I came to him, and I was like, dude, aren't you kind of mad at God? Like, like couldn't, how many people would have been like, God, couldn't you have hooked him up like two months before he spent like tens and thousands of dollars on his business before he opened up the dream? And I, and I said to this guy, like, dude, aren't you kind of like, feel some kind of way that God didn't like make that happen right before you spent all that money? And I'll never forget what he said. He says, actually, I don't even see it that way. I'm not mad at all. Because here's what I know. God would have never opened up that door for me if I wasn't faithful with what he had trusted me with in that season. 
And I think that there's some of you right now, and, and, and you're, you're trying to step into your season, but you're, you're falling into the temptation of, of, of just forgetting about or just dropping what's in your hand right now. Here's what I see about Elisha. The Bible says that he had 12 teams of oxen. And the Bible says that he was working the 12th team when Elijah showed up. I wonder if that 12th team wouldn't have been that new model of oxen. I bet that 12th team was the newest team. I bet you that 12th plow was the brand new John Deere 12th model plow, praise God. And yet it was that very same brand new F1, I mean brand new plow that he decided to burn up and sacrifice on the fire and on the altar. He was willing to put the new thing on there. And the Bible says that it was the 12th team. Do you know what the number 12 represents in scripture? It stands for godly authority. I wonder if it wasn't God waiting for him to get to the place of faithfulness for to him to arrive at the 12th team for him to say, God, I'm putting my authority on you now because you've shown yourself faithful in the little. Be faithful with what God has put in your hand right now in your new season. Number two, I see Elisha showing us this, that we need to know how to tie up our loose ends. Tie up our loose ends. In, in, in the scriptures, he says, follow me, or he puts the cloak around him, and Elisha says, okay, first let me go kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. And then Elijah says, go on back, think about what I've done to you. And Elisha returns to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire. He passed around the meat to the, to the townspeople. Every time that I've ever heard this passage of scripture, I've always thought about it. I feel like I've always heard about it as an instantaneous thing. I feel like it's always felt like, okay, the cloak was around him. I don't know, he had like gasoline already on that thing, lit up a match through it, and then like ready to roll. But if you read this, this was a process. This, I, I don't know how long it takes to slaughter a cow now, but I guarantee you it would have taken longer then. I, I don't know what it takes to break down a plow. I promise you it probably would have taken longer then. And so for, for Elisha, this was deliberate. This was systematic. Amen? And when I think about Christ Jesus, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Bible says that he is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish. How many people are thankful that the Lord is patient and deliberate and slow with us, even in our sin and our mess? And so we see Elisha stepping into his next thing. He does not cast off what was before, but he knows how to tie up loose ends. I love that in our church, we have this this pattern, if you will, that when people get catch on fire for God and they want to go after God and, man, they want to man, chase after him and serve him all the days of their lives, I love that we have it as a pattern to say, okay, but what are you in the middle of now? Are you in college right now? Why don't you finish your degree before you go on to the next thing? I know this probably doesn't happen here, but in Richmond, uh, we have a lot of people who come into our church who bounce around from other churches. Doesn't happen here. We're more faithful in Virginia Beach. And they say they love our church. And I say, have you talked to your last pastor? Does your last pastor know you left? Because as much as you say, now I wanna have a conversation, you say you wanna be talking to me, I say, hey, have you had the right conversations? Because until you have that conversation, we're not having a conversation. And the Bible talks so much about us needing to make sure that we tie up the loose ends that we get right what needs to get right before we excitedly step into the next thing. What are the loose ends that you need to tie up in this season? Number three, 
We see Elisha, he is faithful with what he's been charged with. He knows what it is to tie up loose ends. And number three, probably the most popular point of this passage is that he cut ties with his old life. He cut ties with his old life. He knew he would not fully be able to commit to the call that God placed on his life until he made it impossible for him to ever look back and go back to it. I, I think I can't help but think about Megan and I answering the call of God on our life in ministry in our church, in our season. And for me, before I became a full-time pastor, I was not working for the DMV, Joe. Pastor Joe Riddle always loved to tell people I used to work for the DMV. I used to work for VDOT, okay? Yeah, see, you laugh at that. When I said DMV, people instantly, I felt the room shift angrily towards me. And I was working for VDOT, and Pastor Stephen Sharon asked us, would you go to Richmond? Would you check it out? Would you pray about it? Would you seek it out? And, and, and that my answer was yes, because it was already yes before they even asked. And I remember going back to my employer at the time, and I let them know, hey, I'm, I'm putting in my two weeks, I'm stepping aside, I'm making a shift. And they're like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm, 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 I'm gonna become a, a pastor. And, and they didn't know anything about that. They're like, so you're just, what, you're, you're, you're gonna stop you gonna like break up with your wife? Like they had no idea what it meant, you know? <laughs> and I was like, no, that's, that's priest, I wouldn't do that. And, um, and, and it was crazy, because then the, the, my employer, my boss says, all right, well, what, well, how can we keep you? And then he's like, what is it gonna take? And I was like, what do, you, what do you mean what's it gonna take? And he's like, and then he wrote down a figure, and he slid it across the table, and I was like, it was ungodly. I was like, whoa, I was like, why didn't you offer to pay that to me while I was here? If I'm worth that much, praise the Lord. But can I tell you, I didn't even flinch. Because in my mind, I, I had already slaughtered the cow. In my mind, I had already burned the plow. And, and so for, for us, I wanna tell you this, Elisha knew that if he did not burn the plow and kill the cows, he would not be all in. And I, I don't know what this is, like I don't know how God is speaking to you in this message right now, whether or not you're trying to lose weight, whether or not you're trying to get into graduate school, whether or not you're trying to write a book, start a business, get out of ministry, I mean, get, get out of debt, get into the ministry. <laughs> you need to slaughter the cow and burn the plow, praise the Lord. I believe, I genuinely believe this, you're never gonna take a step forward in the future until you eliminate the possibility of moving backwards into your past. And if you're gonna step into your next chapter, I believe you must end an old chapter. For many of us, I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about the old man, your old flesh. I believe for many of us, you need to cut ties to your old flesh and sin nature. That there are vices, that there are habits, that there are behaviors, that there are memories, there is nostalgia, there is ruminations, there are people, circumstances, and unrepentant sins that many of us are carrying with us. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is calling you to this place where something has to break. Amen? Elisha, he was faithful with what he'd been entrusted with. He, he, he um, what was my second point? He tied up the loose ends and he 
cut ties to his old. And lastly, he, he stayed under spiritual covering. In verse 19, Elijah went over to Elisha and he threw his cloak around Elisha's shoulders and, and walked away. And this cloak was a prized possession, but not only was it valuable, it was symbolic. And so in this instant of Elijah placing the cloak over Elisha, he was actually anointing him, if you will, for the office of prophet. It was to show to him what what God had called Elijah to do, that he would become his successor for the next season, and it was him acting and, and placing him as his covering. And it says that Elisha, he left the oxen standing there after tying up the loose ends, and then he ran after Elijah and served him. Now what we know about our our life in the new covenant is we do not need a spiritual mediator between us and God. Thank God for that. That we all have access to the holy of holies and to the throne room of God. But for me, I have known what it is to live under the blessing of spiritual covering. I have known what it is to the point where in my life right now, I'm a grown man, I'm older than I look, praise the Lord, I got three kids. I stretch in the mornings. But for me, any major life decision that I'm gonna make in my life, I'm gonna get into the agreement with my pastors. I'm gonna get in agreement with my counsel of wisdom. I'm gonna find accountability. I'm gonna get under my covering, amen? And this is probably not a topic that Pastor Steve and Sharon are gonna you know, happily talk about every week, but as, as a son of the house, I'm gonna talk about it. We need to get back to the place of trusting that if the Lord is gonna speak to us about our new season, we're gonna believe he's gonna speak to our leadership. He's gonna speak to our pastors. He's gonna speak to our covering. And I love how Elijah did it. Elijah did not demand that Elisha come follow him. As a matter of fact, if you read into it, Elijah kind of stiff arms Elisha a little bit. He's kind of like, he puts the cloak on him, he's like, look, I'm just doing what God told me to do, I'm out. And he starts walking away, and Elisha has to kind of slow him down, which is a picture of how our, our spiritual covering ought to work. It's not someone foisting their leadership or their covering over us, it's us deciding to submit ourselves. And God spoke to Elijah about anointing Elisha, and actually it was Elijah that reminded him that this was a God thing. In verse 20, Elijah says, as Elisha says, I'm going back to my parents, kissing them. Elijah says, okay, as you do, remember, my Bible says, remember what have I done for you? But another translation, and actually probably a better translation, the scholars would say, is that Elijah was trying to say to Elisha, okay, go and do it, but remember, what have I done for you? As if to say, and this is, what, this is what having wisdom, pastors, people who care and cover for you are gonna do. They're always gonna get you to get your, it's, they're, they're not gonna make it about them. They're always gonna be people who point you back to the goodness of God in your life. Amen. Elisha. Elisha called Elijah his father. And Elijah never called Elisha his son. Now, we see there in the scriptures that there are examples so many times, especially in the New Testament, of spiritual fathers calling out to them who succeed and who follow them, spiritual sons. Peter called Mark, my son. Paul refers to Timothy as my true son in the faith. Paul refers to Onesimus as his son. Now, 
we do this in the church, it's good, but so often, especially in the world, there's a lot of popular conversations about how to be a better father, and that's good, I'm cool with that, I wanna hear about that. But when I read my Bible, I actually see there's way more wisdom in the scriptures where it's not just showing us how to be better dads, but it's consistently calling us to be better sons. Ephesians 1.5, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. Galatians 4.7, you're no longer a slave, but a son. Romans 8.15, you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And as we see as sons, we have to know this. I believe this is gonna help us in a new season. We have to know what it is as spiritual sons to ask big. Ask big. <laughs> Elisha said, I want double your spirit. He asked big. Isn't it true that our, our, our kids, they ask big of us, sometimes too big. It feels like that sometimes. Like I took my kids to Disney World early this year now, for every one of their birthdays this year, they said, I said, what do you want for your birthday? They said, we want to go back to Disney World. I'm like, well, I haven't financially recovered from the last time. <laughs> but my kids aren't afraid to ask me for big because I'm dad. You know what they ask other people around them? Gum, mints. <laughs> they ain't afraid to ask that. But for dad, dad, I want to go to Disney. Asking big things of our Father God. Asking him to bless our new season. Asking him to bring that healing into our life. Asking him to break those things that have been hindering us. is not a bother to the Lord. It is actually a proof of our sonship. I'll wrap with this. Worship team, you can come join us. We jump ahead to 2 Kings, chapter 2. After Elisha had been following Elijah, and the Bible says that when they went to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken away? And Elisha replied, please, let me inherit a double share, maybe your Bible says a double portion of your spirit and become your successor. You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied, but if you see me from what I'm taking from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. And as they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them, and Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, my father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress. Verse 13, Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him, and he went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan, and he took the cloak that had fallen from him and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. And when he struck the water, he divided it to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. And the company of prophets from Jericho who were watching said, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet, and he bowed to the ground before him. See, I want to encourage you to ask big. I want to encourage you to seek God and ask him for the biggest of things. But sometimes I think we fail to realize what is 
the measure of big. See, in going over this passage of Scripture and hearing about it and hearing it preached, I'd always heard about this double portion. I've always heard about this, man, this double blessing. And I believe that God is a double blessing kind of God. Don't get it twisted. But what I see here is, is, is not what I feel like I've always heard. And what I see here is, is when I read it, it's different. Because Elisha wasn't asking for double stuff. He wasn't asking for a double stuffed Oreo. He wasn't asking for more. He wasn't asking for the, the increase in this situation. The Bible says that Elijah asked, what can, be do for you? what can be done for you, Elijah asked. And Elijah said, let me inherit a double share of your spirit. You, you know what was common in that time, the Old Testament? What was common was this, what was customary, is that the firstborn son was known to inherit twice the inheritance of the other siblings. And so Elisha is not asking for more stuff. He's not asking for double of, of your power. This is an example of, of someone saying, you're my dad. In getting double of your spirit, could I be seen as your son? And I believe there's people in here and you've known only a, a relationship with God where you get double the stuff <laughs> when we serve such a God who is wanting to impute upon you, to cover you, to wash you and to bless you with twice of his spirit, his name, his identity, his goodness, and his presence over your life. If you receive the word, give God some praise. I want to read one more passage of scripture. We're going to pray. We're going to call it a day. Is that all right? John chapter 5, verse 17. Shows us again that Jesus came to do the will of the Father. It says, my father's always working and so am I. Jewish leaders tried to find a way to kill him because he broke the Sabbath, thereby making himself equal with God in their eyes. And so Jesus explained this. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished. For just as the Father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone that he wants. In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, he's given the Son absolute authority to judge so that everyone will honor the Son. Verse 24, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me, have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. And I assure you, the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. 
when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. How does a dead man hear the voice of the Lord? You tell me. You tell me. Because there are those of you in this place who hear the sound of my voice as I preach the word of the Lord, who know that you know that you know you are a dead man listening. But I assure you, the Lord says, the time is coming when the dead will hear his voice and they will pass from death into life. This invitation to receive this new life in Christ is not a behavior modification step one. This thing we do every time we gather is an invitation for men and women to pass from death into eternal life. If that's you in this place, and you know that you know you are dead on the inside, huh. can I introduce you to the miracle-working, soul-saving, life-giving God? Every head bowed, every eye closed in this place. I'm not going to draw this moment out. I'm going to ask you a simple question. Is that you? I'm not talking to you this morning. Do you know that you know that you know that you are dead on the inside? You don't have to be convinced of it. You just already know I'm, I'm, I'm dead on the inside. It's, I don't know this life. This, I don't know this life-giving God you've been talking about all morning. I don't know what it means to believe and expect a new season. Can I tell you that one prayer? One faith-filled, repentant prayer is all that it takes to know that you know that you know it's never going to be the same as it was. So all across this place, I'm going to do something simple. I'm going to count to three. And not to call anybody out or embarrass you, but to bring people to a place of decision. That's what this moment is about. That you would step over the line from death into life. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. I want you to give me a wave. I'll see it. And you can put it right down. Here we go, friends. One, God loves you right here, right now. Two, the Bible says that now is the time for salvation. If you're ready to step from death into life by giving your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior, if you need to start or restart your walk with the Lord all across this place, three, give me a wave. Give me a wave across this place. I'll see it. I see hands over here, a hand over here, two hands over here, another hand over here. Who else? Two hands over there, another hand, another hand over there. Who else in this section? A hand back there. Who else would say, that's me, include me in that prayer? I don't want to miss you. Last call, last call. If you've yet to lift it, but you know, you know that you need this new life in Christ. If you've yet to lift it right now, give me a wave across this place. Right now, thank you. More hands right here. Praise the Lord. Another hand back there. Praise God. Let's say this prayer together, church, and then we're going to give the Lord the loudest amen. But especially those of you who respond, say, Lord Jesus, thank you for bringing me from death into eternal life. The old is gone, the new is here. I am a Christian, and I'll follow you all the days of my life. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, can we praise the Lord? Come on, can we praise the Lord for people praying that prayer this morning?